Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow it using your favorite podcast software. Our listener support campaign continues, and you can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month by going to patreon.greatdetectives.net, can support the show on a regular basis, receive updates from me, and also be able to offer input on various ideas and directions for the podcast, including voting on our summer series. Go to patreon.greatdetectives.net. If you'd like to support the show on a one-time basis, you can also do so by mailing a donation to Adam Graham. P.O. Box 15913, that's P.O. Box 15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. Well, in recent years, I've taken to, as one of our listener support specials, doing Twice Told Tales. And what we do is focus on a radio script, which was written for one radio program and then reused on a different radio program and see how the script changed and how the two uh, programs compare. We're going to start off today's program with an episode of The Man Called X. And this is actually the first available episode of The Man Called X. We played this series not too long ago. But it's been more than a year and uh, I've definitely missed Herbert Marshall on the program, even though I've been enjoying Dangerous Assignment. Of course, in The Man Called X, Herbert Marshall plays an international troubleshooter named Ken Thurston, who goes by the name Mr. X. And the episode we're going to play today is actually the first available episode. The Man Called X began as a summer series that aired for eight weeks. It would air off and on until 1952. This episode originally aired on August the 28th, 1944, and the title is Murder, Music, and a Blonde Madonna. Here's your pass to the Globe Theater. is the Globe Theater, the radio playhouse especially for men and women of the armed forces of the United Nations. Just as the Globe Theater has meant the best in entertainment since the days of Shakespeare, today it means the best in radio drama for service men and women all over the globe. Here to tell you about tonight's play is your host at the Globe Theater, Herbert Marshall. Thank you, and hello, everyone. Your favorite seat is ready and waiting for you here at the Globe Theater. No extra charge for loaders. 
And tonight's bill is one that I trust will be well worth the hearing. There is one type of character that every actor longs to play, whether he be Sir Aubrey Smith or Roddy McDowell. That is the role of the quick-witted romantic adventurer who moves through Monte Cristo-esque experiences, confronted with innumerable dangers, but usually confounding his adversaries by sharp thinking and subtle humor. Always, of course, there is a lovely girl who makes the confounding all the more worthwhile. As I say, such is the part that every actor longs to play. Now, there are decided advantages about being your host here at the Globe Theater, for that means that I'm also the casting director. And when a fat, juicy part of the title I've just described turns up, whom do you suppose was chosen to portray it? Well, not Sir Aubrey Smith or Roddy McDowell. I need only add that the title of this play is The Man Called X. What happens is of an exciting nature. I think you'll agree. So, uh, let's up the curtain and let the play begin. Tonight, he finds himself involved with murder, music, and a blonde Madonna. But at the moment, he and Nancy, his best girl, are sitting in a booth in a smart cocktail lounge in midtown Manhattan. Ken, darling. Uh, yes, dear? You'll get a kink in your neck staring at that blonde. Why don't you just go over and sit with her at the bar? <laughs> I won't mind. Nancy, I look at other women only to remind myself that not one of them can compare with you, my sweet. Oh, that's better, Angel. Pietro? Yes, sir? Uh, two martinis with onions. Yes. Oh, I don't know why I ever fell in love with you, Ken. You know, I, I should have gone for a really attractive gent. Like that one over there. Where? At the bar, sitting next to that blonde gal you've been ogling. You see him? Yes. Why, great Scott. Hmm? Bill. Bill Nesbitt. Huh? Somebody call me? Bill, over here. Oh, for the love of... <laughs> Ken Burton, I haven't seen you since last college reunion. Nancy, this is Bill Nesbitt, my old roommate and the best all-American tackle ever. Bill, this is my fiancée, Nancy Bessington. She thinks she's a reporter. <laughs> I'm glad to meet you, Nancy. Oh, thanks, Bill. I've been following your career, Ken. Congratulations. You always were interested in solving unsolvable puzzles. How about you? I understand you're, you're the finest synthetic chemist in the country. Mm, I've done a little in synthetic. Mm. Your uh, drinks are fine. Join us, Bill. What? And take him away from his beautiful blonde? What blonde? That girl sitting next to you at the bar. Oh, she's not with me. I don't even know her. Oh, and fine. Sit with us, huh? Well, I've still got half a drink at the bar. I'll get it. He seems like a nice guy. He is. It's swell seeing you again, Ken. Go on, sit down. What are you doing? Well, I'm uh, on my way to Italy. Italy? Sounds mighty mysterious. Secret stuff. Uh, say, have uh, either of you the time? Um, uh, 4.10. Gee, I've got to make a phone call to the office. When do you leave? Well, I've got to catch a bus at the airline terminal in 15 minutes. Don't have too much time. No, I'll uh, be right back. I wonder why Bill is going to Italy. Out of the place for a civilian to go these days? Oh, stop acting like a bird dog in October. Darling, you know I promised you I'd settle down. And I'm going to see to it that you keep that promise, baby. Bartender. Bartender. Yes, sir. Uh-oh, looks like your blonde hand is shutting off. How much do I owe you? Quick, please tell me. Oh, that'll be, uh, 75 cents, please. Here you are. I think she dresses in horrible taste. Oh, Nancy, aren't you being a little hard on her? Hey, lady, come back. Lady, you left change out of a $5 bill. No, I wonder why she was in such a rush. Probably just remembered a date with a boyfriend. Maybe so. Pardon me, darling, will you? Pietro, uh-huh. where's the phone booth? All right, there, sir. Oh, thank you. Hey, Bill. Are you all right? Hey, Bill. 
Don't wash that glass you were drinking from. Oh, why not, Ken? I have a hunch the police chemist will find it was full of poison. Oh. Oh, to get back in my own apartment. You know, I'm not as used to looking at corpses as you, aren't I? A little I know. I don't feel particularly chipper myself. Poor Bill. He would have won the Nobel Prize for chemistry one of these days. And who could have done such a thing? I don't know. What? What's that you're looking at? Something I found in Bill's pocket. Oh, but Ken, the police should have that. They will after I've read it. Huh. Well, what does it say? Just a name and address on it. Look. Luigi Antonelli, Umbrati, Italy. Umbrati. Never even heard of it. Must have just a tiny village. Hmm. Wonder who Antonelli is. You can bet whoever Antonelli is, he's mixed up in this affair somehow. I wonder in what way. So do I. And I intend to find out. Oh, no, Ken, no, not Italy. Why poke your nose into this? Because I don't like old friends of mine being poisoned. I'm funny that way. Not much of it left, eh? Enough. They make ruin everything before the Americans come. Well, they didn't ruin your spaghetti. It's a masterpiece. Gracias, senora. Yeah, before we What's all the trouble over there? Those GIs look as though they're going to lose their tempers. The American soldiers. <laughs> they don't like the souvenirs. What they buy from Castro the peddler. See him over there. Castro the peddler, eh? That's good. You know him? That, my friend, is an understatement. I must meet Castro the Peddler. This is the last time we ask for life. Come on, boys. One, two. Here, here, boys. What's the trouble? It's the Peddler. Hey, Gonzel Smith, what mess are you in now? Oh, you are a savior. What's he done, boys? Uh, this scripture tells us he's a genuine Italian curiosity. Look what mine says on the bottom. Hmm. Made in Newark, USA. Hey, Give the gentleman back their money. Oh, but Mr. If you Fairstone. don't, they'll tear you limb from limb and I'll sit and applaud. Mr. Fairstone, you are a sadist. Here you are, fellows, $20. That's better. I'm shocked, Agar. You, a, a common peddler. There's more to this than each the eye, though, isn't there? No, no, I'm just a poor peddler that peddles. Yes, yes. I can make you a better financial proposition. Mr. Thurston, those words are like the soft wings of a bird. How much? Fifty. One hundred. Fifty. All right. What do I steal? Not yet. Do you know a man called Antonelli? Well, you are lucky. I am more than familiar with that name. Well, who is he? Luigi Antonelli was professor of music at the University of Florence. What the devil would Bill want with the professor? Did you say was? Yes. Alas... Signor Professore Antonelli died yesterday. Today is his funeral.
Stand back here, John. Yeah, behind this tombstone. I dislike crazy pink. But this funeral fascinates me. Why are there only those two mourners? Well, our Signor Antonelli and but few friends. Who are those two women? His sister and her daughter. They just arrived from Rome recently. Oh, so they just came down from Rome, did they? Yeah. Well, two days ago, I saw that girl sitting at a bar in New York. Impossible. She just came hey, down. Hey, guy, agrees me to tell you this, but you are lying. Mr. Thurston, if you did not pay me so well, I would be hurt to the quick. How well do you really know these two women? Tell me the truth. I have never spoken to them. For $50 more, would you tell me the real truth? Uh-huh. In that case... I thought so. But cash... In a cemetery? Well, the dead will not object to a small financial transaction. Cash, please. Oh, all right. Here you are. Good. Now, the truth is this. I pretend to be a peddler. Those charming ladies pay me to stay in this town so I can notify them should anyone try to get near their house. Why are they so eager to keep people away from that house? Who knows? Perhaps, I nearly say, perhaps, Signor Antonelli... It's not in that coffin at all. Quiet and safe. The women will be back soon from the funeral. Hmm. This mansion is quite a dump, huh? Palazzo Antonelli, they back to the Borgia. Where would Antonelli be? I do not know. I've never seen him. Where does that staircase lead? Huh? Oh, to the bedchamber. Let's try it. The women will be back soon. Sorry, Jagon. The staircase was built too steep. Listen. Behind that door. Door's locked. Signor Antonelli, can you hear me? It gives me goosebumps to listen to that. Sounds out of his mind. Why is he being kept a prisoner? I will give you 50. If you were to offer me a million, I could not tell you. These women confide very little to me. Then you're slipping, Agar. Signor Antonelli, I am an American. I know you are being held a prisoner. Can you hear me? This is like a lunatic asylum. Let us get out of here. <laughs> yes, the ladies will be back soon anyway. I don't want to meet them this way. Mr. Felsen, what does this Signor Antonelli mean to you? I haven't the faintest idea yet. Maybe I'll know more after a formal call I intend to pay this afternoon. I have come to offer my condolences at your loss. I'm Senior Thurston from America. I studied music under your uncle at the University of Florence. Won't you come in? Mama, is it Senior Thurston? 
He knew Uncle Luigi, and he has come to pay his respects. To come at an unhappy time, Signore. But since you are here, won't you sit down? Signora, I too feel your loss very keenly. Your brother taught me much about music and more about life. He was a great man. All right. I'm glad to know that someone young and a foreigner still holds his memory dear. What, um, what was the cause of his death, Signora? While my daughter and I were at Rome, the Nazis occupied this village. They knew how my brother felt toward them. <laughs> Don't cry, Mama. The past is over. I came here to Umbrati, hoping to talk over old times with him. I was shocked to hear. You are very kind, Signor. Not at all. Uh, we are being ungracious, Tina. I will get some wine for Signor Thurston. Yes, Mama. The Nazis twine in their retreat from you wonderful Americani at least forgot to loot our wine cellars. I believe he will enjoy our wine. It is the finest in this part. You will excuse me. Certainly. Strange. Why do you look at me like that? I came to find death. And I found beauty. You are making love to me, Signor. You choose the most unhappy time. When a man is swept off his feet as I am now, love does not wait on birth or death. I had heard how impetuous Americans were. No, 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 signore. One tender kiss of, shall we say, friendship. What would my mother think? She's still in the wine cellar. Well, then, one... Your name? Tina. Tina. Tina? Oh, I could compose a tone poem to that name. Please. Mother is coming back. Mother has no sense of timing. Uh, those steps are hard on an old woman. Uh, here, Tina. Pour Signor Thurston's glass. What an exquisite goblet. Yes. Botticelli made it for our ancestors. Probably the Borgias? Signore does not know his history. The Borgias were poisoners. So they were. Yes, Signore. Taste it and tell me if you ever had a finer Barolo. Yes. Drink, Signore. But, uh, neither of you joining me? No, Signore. Then I insist your daughter at least take part in an old American custom. It is called the loving cup. When a man meets a girl as exquisite as you are, Tina... He asked her to drink first from his glass. Tina is too young to drink. Oh, surely an exception can be made. My daughter accepts your flattery, signore. However... It isn't flattery. To look at your daughter is to have some of the chill taken from the memory of her dead uncle. You have not touched your wine, signore. I wouldn't think of it until your daughter first sipped from my glass. I have told you I cannot allow my daughter but to... But I insist. It is difficult to know where flattery ends and rudeness begins with you. Come now, Tina. Surely you can't object to drinking your own wine? Or can you? Of course not. No. Certainly not. Well, then. Very well. Tina, no. You did not really think I was going to drink it, did you, Signore? Considering that it would probably kill you, I doubted it very much. And now the comedy is over, Signore. Oh, I see you know how to use a revolver also. Yes. And I must insist that you stand quite still, or I will shoot a hole between your very attractive eyes. Egon. Hey, 
Uh-huh. Aegon, of course. Hiding behind the screen. I'm coming, Signora. Poor Mr. Thurston. You should not have come here. Aegon, take care of this gentleman. As always, it is a pleasure to take care of Mr. Thurston. Show him to the cellar and tie him up securely. Just my luck. Here I am having a quiet little party with two of the loveliest ladies in Italy. And I have to go to a nasty cellar with Aegon. Aegon, don't you think that gun is superfluous? With you, I take no chances. Where is your shame? Taking my money and then telling those women who I am. Mr. X, believe me, it is very difficult to have both a conscience and a bank book at the same time. Oh, dear, what wouldn't you do for money? Offhand, I can't really imagine. How much do they pay you to double-cross me? One thousand lira. I thought so. A thousand lira. Not worth the paper it's printed on. It is? Of course not. You're beginning to make me very nervous. <laughs> Italy is an occupied country, but that, that money wasn't worth one good American nickel. If I thought you were telling me the truth... Have I ever lied to you? Yes. Yes, but always with such charm, Mr. <laughs> Are they asleep by now? Oh, yes. I hear Tina say that they will take Antonelli across the German lines just before dawn. You have no sentiment, Aegon. Think of that poor old man locked up. For $500, I could reap buckets and at the same time cut those ropes. 200 Five. Either my price or I sit here and starve. Which will it be? Naturally, I cannot let you die. It's a deal. Now, there's no use unless I can get to Antonelli's room. By the merest chance, I have a key to the room. For 50 more. No, 200 net. What can I do? My heart will not allow me to permit you to be eaten by those rats. Wait, I cut you free. Ah, you have a noble soul, Agar. Sometimes. It's amazing how money will make me a softest party. Eh? <laughs> there you are, free now, and here is the key. Thank you. Now, come with me upstairs to Antonelli. I'm sorry, Mr. Thurston. I must refuse. I'm really quite tired. I've had enough and made enough for one day. And so, Mr. X, we come now to the parting of the ways. I go back to town, and you go to the... Yes, that's probably right, Agar. Go away. 
He wants to hurt me like the women hurt me. No. I'm a friend of Bill Nesbitt. And a friend of yours. Uh, now, I believe you. Great Scott. But I had to make sure. Thank heaven you've come. You mean you've been? It was the only way to keep those women from finding anything out. So you pretended to be out of your mind? Yes. I fooled them completely. Now, how is my uh, friend, uh, Bill Nesbitt? He's dead. Dead? Yes, murdered. Poisoned by your niece, Tina. She is not my niece. She and the other one are agents of the Gestapo. I thought so. But why did they kill Nesbitt? He wanted me to sell to his company my brother's formula. Your brother? Yes, before the war, my brother was one of the great chemists of Europe. Oh, so that was it. What happened to your brother? He was killed by the Nazis. You say he had a formula that Bill Nesbitt wanted? Yes, for a new type of uh, synthetic. What synthetic? Well, I really don't know. I, I'm a musician. I know nothing of science. But uh, my brother handed the formula to me to keep for the day when uh, Italy would be free. Did the women get the formula from you? No, no, no. They tried to get it. Day after day. Day after day. <laughs> but I fooled them. Good work, Signor Antonelli. Have you got it with you? Yes. Where is it? In this room. So you hid it. Where? Oh, no. Good heavens, Signor Antonelli. This is no, no time to... That's it. That's the formula. I don't understand. What do you mean? When a musician plays the tune in the key of E... Using B-flat as the code for the letter A. I see. A musical code. Exactly. Played and varied five times. Only I know the variations. When it's decoded, the entire formula is spelled out. And you've kept it in your mind all this time? Yes, yes, I assure you it has been nerve-wracking to hum that same tune over and over. But uh, I had to do it so I wouldn't forget. Not quite so fast there, Mr. Ah, oh, good evening, ladies. Or shall I say good morning? This is no time for your cheap American wit, Senor Thurston. My daughter is a very good shot. I would advise you to stand quite still. What are you going to do with me? It's all right, Antonelli. We are taking you to Berlin. Ah, they will beat me in Berlin. Don't beat me again. Shut up, you fool. So you're taking him to Germany? Yes. We have doctors there who can make that idiotic mind of his spill out its secrets. Keep still, you dithering lunatic. Let him alone, Mother. He is hard. I cannot stand that humming over and over again. If he does not stop humming, I'll gag him. Uh, don't hurt me. I'm just an old man who hates the fascism. Take your hands off of Smart me. Smart work, Antonelli. Hold up. No, you don't, you little witch. Let me go. Get the gun, Antonelli. I have it, Mr. X. Fine. Don't move, ladies. Shall I shoot them? Both of them? I don't understand. It's very simple. Signor Antonelli is not the fool you presumed him to be. He is not insane. No, Signor. It's you and your daughter and people like you who are the insane ones. But now I think I shall do with you what they do with all mad dogs. Mother, I am afraid. Do not let him kill us, Signor Thurston. It will be a pleasure to destroy you both. No, Signor Antonelli. Let's not use their tactics. There will be judges for them. Judges made up of your own people. Hold up your hands, lady. Oh. You've caught them, he says. I'm afraid your heroics have come a little late, Agar. Oh. Is there anything I can do? I'm afraid not. Go to sleep now. Did you find out why they wanted this old man? Naturally. Why? Signor Antonelli had a formula. Tell me, Mr. X, what was it, huh? If the first note stood for chlorine... And the next three notes stood for oxygen, carbon, and nitrogen. Yes, yes, 
What would it all mean? Wouldn't you like to know? So ends tonight's Globe Theater production of The Man Called X. I know you'll join me in thanking Bernie Schoenfeld for his excellent script, Felix Mill for composing and conducting the score, and Bill Robeson, who presided in the control room. By the way, the role of Agar was played by Hans Conried as a farewell gesture to an active life in radio theaters and as a prelude to an even more active life in theaters of a different nature. Mr. Conried, I might add, relinquished the finest head of hair in the Western Hemisphere to become Private Conried, his army serial number escaping me for the moment. Watch out for him. If his performance as Aegon is any indication, he'll be a slippery man to deal with on the evening of payday. By the way, it was, uh, really was fun to play the role of Ken Thurston for you, and I trust you enjoy the adventures of a man called X. As for the next performance from the Globe, you'll hear Walter Abel, Louise Alberton, Ralph Bellamy, and David Bruce in a neat little thriller called Phantom Lady. Here's a short preview. That hit him hard. I could tell by the way he looked, by the way he watched me all night as I sat there at the bar just staring at him, never saying another word. And when he left at closing time, I followed him. He managed to walk rather slowly at first, almost defiantly, as if he didn't care. And then he went a little faster. And faster. And faster until he was almost running. And then suddenly he stopped and turned. What do you want? Why do you keep on following me? You have something to tell me. You're wasting your time. You know what's going to happen to him. You can prevent it. Get it off your conscience. Don't ask me. Go ask the guy to give it to me. Gave you what? Nothing, nothing. It was money, wasn't it? Somebody gave you a bribe. I ain't talking, I tell you, and I ain't staying around here either. I'm going to get so far away from here. Look out! It's going to be a good show, and I know you'll want to hear it. So, jump down on the inside of your helmet liner that you have an appointment at the Globe Theater with Phantom Lady, starring Walter Abel, Louise Alberton, Ralph Bellamy, and David Bruce. I'll be on hand to show you your seat and take care of the introduction. Till next performance, then, this is Herbert Marshall wishing you all the best, and I'll be seeing you. Theater with Herbert Marshall as host and master of ceremonies. The Globe Theater is presented for servicemen and women of the Allied Armed Forces all over the globe. Listen for our next Globe Theater production soon. Welcome back.
I have listened to this episode several times, and I think this is the first time that I noticed at the start when Ken Thurston is on a date. His date says, I don't know why I'm with you. I should have gone with someone really attractive like that guy over there. And that was meant to be a way of introducing the person who is going to get killed. But that's a little brutal. I mean, man or woman, if you're on a date, I can't imagine it ever going well to say, why am I with you instead of someone attractive like that person over there? Now, the Ken Thurston having a girlfriend point would continue through the first full season of The Man Called X, and then would be dropped. There would be barely a hint of romance, so this is a little bit different from the rest of the series. The Globe Theater uh, format deserves some explanation. It was not a special recording or reperformance of The Man Called X. There were very strict rules for armed forces, radio service, transcriptions, as well as those that were sent to our allies that they couldn't contain the advertising. And so you had programs like Globe Theater or Mystery Playhouse that have host recording commentary and doing introductions to cover the sort of essential bits that would be done by network announcers, but might also contain advertisements. So in this case, Herbert Marshall was serving as host for an episode that had uh, previously been recorded and aired in the States and was being sent by transcription to America and its allies. Now, of course, it's also worth noting that this episode has a different Zellschmidt than you'll typically hear. And I think in the past I've said that Hans Conried originally played the same character that Leon Belasco did of Pagan Zellschmidt. But here, uh, I believe the character is actually Egon Zellsmith, who was played by Hans Conried, and it's possible that there was a radio episode where Ken met Pagan Zellsmith for the first time, but the episode is simply lost. We don't have the uh, first episode of the continuing Man Called X series, which began after Hans Conried was inducted. But overall, it's an interesting story, and it was so interesting that the writer, as well as producer uh, William N. Robeson, reworked it for another series that Robeson was in charge of. Christopher London was a 1950 series, and it starred Glenn Ford as a private investigator. Christopher London was created by Earl Stanley Gardner, in the same sense that the fat man was created by Dashiell Hammett. Essentially, Gardner came up for the basic idea of the character and then collected checks. Of course, Earl Stanley Gardner is best known as the creator of Perry Mason, but this is a private investigator, and let's see how the script gets adapted in a very different time and set of circumstances. The original air date, May 29th, 1950, and the title is Pattern for Murder.
In New York, a famous composer sips his brandy and dies. The lovely lady vanishes. On the French Riviera, a childish tune is played again and again behind the locked door. Jagged pieces of a horrible puzzle fitted together into a pattern of murder by Christopher London. The National Broadcasting Company presents Christopher London, created especially for radio by the world's most widely read mystery writer, Earl Stanley Gardner, transcribed, produced, and directed by William N. Robeson, and starring Mr. Glenn Ford. I am Christopher London who can't even take a little walk in the moonlight with a beautiful woman without finding a dead body in his path. Everyone else seems to be able to do the average sort of thing, go to a show or a concert without the man in the next seat winding up with a stiletto on his back, but not me, no. no. Like that night, I went to Carnegie Hall to hear the new piano concerto by my old friend, Louis Deshaies. Louis was the kind of man you seldom come across anymore. Vital despite 60-odd years with an eye for the ladies, 20 cigars a day, evenings of brandy, roulette, and romance. Well, after the concert, he slipped away with me to a small bar around the corner from Carnegie Hall where we could chat quietly. Oh, Christopher, how I detest to listen to my own music. Oh, nerve-wracking. Ah, it will be good to get away, to relax. No music, no work. Where are you going? Wandelka. She has written me to spend a holiday at her chateau in Monte Carlo. Wandelka, the pianist? Yes. Oh, that's a great artist. I've heard her play. Oh, one of the most remarkable women of our time. Even now at 60, she can captivate the heart of men half her age. The vitality, the allure. I, I fell in love with her twice in my life. Once at 16 and again at 40. I even wanted to marry her. Me, Louis Dauchet, willing to marry. But I couldn't afford her. Extravagance? Oh, that is another statement. <laughs> Why, Delka, she lives to the hilt. Compared to her, I'm middle class. Oh, how that woman lives. The fortune she's lost at roulette. The racing car she has bought. The chateau she's lived in. Oh, she sounds wonderful. At 60, she is not only a great pianist, linguist, mathematician, poet... You know, and... you sound as though you're still in love with her. It's too bad you couldn't afford her. Oh, need I tell you how little a composer like me earns? Few concerts, the sale of records. That is all. Oh, for a man with my taste, it has been hard. But now, all will be changed. Christopher, when I return, I shall be a wealthy man. Oh, how are you going to manage that? <laughs> I cannot tell you, Christopher. I beg your pardon. Huh? Is this seat taken? Oh, no. Uh, do sit down, mademoiselle. I was at the concert. Oh, it was a beautiful concerto, Mr. Deshaies. Oh, oh, you know who I am. Oh, oh how nice. And you are? Oh, just a girl called Anne. Anne, uh, this is Mr. London. Hello. Hello. Another round, gents. How about you, young lady? Uh, yes, the young lady may have whatever she wishes. Oh, no, I only intend Oh, but I insist. Oh, thank you. A vermouth cassis, please. Another cognac for me. Uh, Christopher? No, no, thanks. Anne? May I tell you that you are the most beautiful young lady that I've met in many a dalier? 
Christopher, isn't she exquisite? Very. Yes, I'm partial to lavender eyes and red hair. Thank you. Perhaps you are musician. Oh, no. I'm I'm nobody. Oh. It's strange, my, my sitting here with two men who lead such exciting lives. I, too. Heavens, I know the name Christopher London. Oh. Here's your drinks. Oh, thank you. thank you very much, yes. To your concerto, Mr. Duchesne. To your beauty, Mademoiselle Anne. Thank you. Oh, look. Isn't that a turby over there? Where? Over there, in the corner. Turn around and tell me. No resemblance, but it is not a turby. Mm, no, I see now it isn't. Oh, dear, what time is it? Hmm? Oh, let's see. It's, uh... Oh, 11.40. Oh, I must make a phone call. Do excuse me for a second. I'll be right back. Oh, la, 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 la. Oh, such beauty. Oh, that soft skin. That red hair. That red hair is one of the finest wigs I've ever seen. Oh, Christopher, ridiculous. Now, somewhere I've met her before. But where? You cynical young man. Oh, no, my friend. You are so wrong. You are... Honey, I... 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 I'm dizzy. What's the matter? My eyes, I... What? Christopher! Oh, wait, wait a minute. What's wrong with him, mister? He's dead. She? How? Uh, you better not wash that cognac glass. I have a hunch the police will find poison in it. Getting us to turn our backs. That's the oldest trick in the world. We fell for it. That, that redhead? Yeah, yeah, the beautiful, phony redhead. Mr. London, poison. Uh, how about the girl, Inspector? Not a trace. What gets me is the motive. Why bump off an old guy who writes music? <laughs> Maybe the music was real lousy, huh? No, no. Somebody didn't want him to go abroad. Uh, that's tough luck. Europe must be swell this time of year. Yes, I, I think it will be. Well, what do you mean? I'll see you when I get back. Where are you going? To the south of France. There's a woman I ought to meet. Ah, uh, <laughs> that's different. I thought you were going on business. I am, Inspector. Grim business. It's always hard to lose a friend, especially when his music has brought joy to a world which needs all the joy it can get. I was angry, cold angry. Poor Louis de Chaise. Never again to see his old love, the great, the famous Wandelka. And to come back a wealthy man. What did it all mean? Why should he die at the hands of a girl with lavender eyes and a lilting voice? So I boarded a plane for France. And the next night I walked into the fabulous casino at Monte Carlo. I went from table to table, looking for the artist and woman known as Wandelka. When suddenly... Hello, London. Huh? Well, Phil Zeruccio, huh? <laughs> oh, how time flies. Last time I saw you, a, a grand jury was indicting you for murder. Yeah, but I got a good mouthpiece. How's Broadway? Yeah, a lot safer since you were deported, Phil. I got news for you, London. I ain't particularly delighted to see you here. Afraid I'll spoil some little project you're working on? Listen, I'm a respectable businessman. Bought myself a chain of restaurants. Pure as the driven snow, you might say, speaking of me. I bet. Probably every politician from Marseille to Rome is bribed up to their beards. Talk sweet, London. Better yet, don't talk. 
just beat it. Get out of Monaco. Try Bulgaria or Iceland. You know, I've often wondered, Zeruccio, did you really have 40 guys killed off like the DA said? Or was it all of us? I'm warning you, London, stop needling. I got pull in Europe. I can have you out of here in a day. Keep your nose clean and stay out of my hair. I knew Phil Zeruccio. Compared to him, Lucky Luciano and Lepke were sissies. Or was he on the level about turning over a new leaf? And what was he doing here in a plaid dinner jacket, wandering about the casino of Monte Carlo? Did he know the girl of the lavender eyes? Had he ever heard of one Delta? I strolled out into the gardens, thinking, thinking. Penny for your thoughts, Kit. What? Oh, well, Professor Sullivan. Oh, bless you, Kit. It's good to see you. I've missed you dreadfully. How did you know I'd be here? Intuition, my now, friend. Wait a minute. Don't kid me, Professor. Every time I'm working on a case, you pop up. Havana, Paris, everywhere I go. Ah, but you pay me so well, Kit. Uh, can I do any favors now for you? I'm your humble servant. You can trust me. Uh, oh, yes, always for a price. Huh? <laughs> You've been in jail since I last saw you? Oh, only a fortnight in Algiers. Oh, Kit, Algerian prisons are gloomy places. <laughs> Well, I suppose I've got to let you help me. Yeah, that's right. You're my conscience, Kit. Mm. You always pay me to do something legal and save me from evil associations. I've a proposition. Ah, oh, those words are like rose petals. How much? Oh, Fifty. What do I steal? Do you know a woman called Wandelka? Oh, yes, a great woman. Great pianist. A beautiful... Take me to her chateau. Oh, now I'd be cheating you if I did that. See, the poor lady was... Did you say was? Yes. May the saints cherish her. Wondelka died yesterday. Tomorrow morning is her funeral. Behind this tombstone. I dislike graveyards intensely, but this funeral fascinates me. I wonder who are those two mourners? Hmm? Oh, they are her only relatives, her sister and her niece. They came from Poland only recently. Uh-huh. I wonder what they look like. I wish they'd raise up their veils. Oh, that's better. Oh, thank you. Well, the mother must have been a beauty in her day. Wondelka was even more beautiful, at 60. Her only relatives, huh? Oh, yes, yes, that's right. She never married, did she? Oh, the niece is exquisite. Yeah, there now. Isn't she the most beautiful brunette you've ever seen? So she just came from Poland, did she? Yes. Well, the day before yesterday, I saw her sitting at a bar on 56th Street in New York in a red wig. Oh, that's impossible. Now, she came from Poland. Oh, Professor, it grieves me to tell you this, but you're a liar. Oh, Kit. If you didn't pay me so well, I'd be hurt to the quick. Now, how well do you really know these two women? Come on, now, tell the truth. I've never spoken a word to her. For $50 more, would you tell me the real truth? Oh, well, in that case... Yes, I thought so. Cash... Oh, Professor, Professor, oh, you're a rascal. All right, here you are. Good, good. Now, the truth is this. Those charming women pay me to stay in this town so that I can notify them should anyone try and get near Wondelka's chateau. Why are they so eager to keep people away from that house? Who knows? Perhaps 
I'll merely say, perhaps, Von Delker is not in that coffin at all. I've got another pass key here. Might do it. It, it will get into trouble entering without permission. Now you're a stickler for ethics at the wrong time, Professor. There now. That does it. Well, this is quite a place. Yes, it dates back to Marie Antoinette. Uh, I wonder where the servants are. You know, that's a strange thing, Kit. A few days after the two women arrived here, not a servant could be located. Oh, naturally. Uh, where could one Delka be? Oh, I don't know. Not that, I swear, is true. Uh, uh, I wonder where that staircase leads over there. Hmm? Oh, that's to the bedrooms. All right, let's try it. Huh? Look, the uh, women will be coming back from the funeral soon. Courage, Professor. Well, this, uh, this staircase was built too steep, Kit. Shh, shh, listen, listen. Behind that door, perhaps that's one Delka. Undoubtedly. Let's see here. That's locked. Uh, Wondelka. <clears throat> Wondelka, is that you? Ah, yeah, it gives me goose pimples to hear that. A great pianist playing like a child. Feeble-minded, insane, maybe. Yes. And why is she being kept a prisoner in her own house? Now, look, I'll give you another 50. Now, if you were to offer me a million, I couldn't tell you, Kit. Now, those women tell me very little. Wondelka. Wondelka. Look, I know you're being held a prisoner. I've come to help you. Can you hear me? Uh, it's like a lunatic asylum. Come on, let's get out of here. Yes, yes. Oh, they'll be back soon, and I want to meet those lovely ladies on a different basis. But, Kit, what does Wondelka mean to you? A friend of mine loved her. I have uh, come to offer my condolences at your loss. I'm from America. I, I played many times in the Philharmonic Orchestra when Wondelka was the soloist. Won't you come in? Mama, this is an American gentleman who knew poor auntie. He has come to pay his respects. You come at unhappy time. Won't you sit down? Thank you, madame. Your sister was one of the great musicians, one of the great women of the century. She inspired me to love music and to love life. She will be remembered as was Bernhardt and Duzer and Madame Curie. Oh, I am glad to know someone young and a foreigner still holds her memory dear. What was the cause of her death, madame? Pneumonia. She insists on going to casino. She loved to play roulette. And that night it rained, it rained. And, and she caught cold. She was so weak. And... Oh, don't cry, Mama. The past is over. Why are there no servants here to attend to your needs, madame? We wish to sit here alone with our grief. Oh, but we are being ungracious, Anna. The wine. Ah, your name is Anna. 
Yes. My sister had always a great wine cellar. You stay here, Anna, and entertain the gentleman. I will get the wine. Why you look at me like that, monsieur? I came to find death. And I found beauty. Thank you. It is so seldom one sees a Polish girl with hair so black. My father was part Italian. Oh, I see. You know, were Renoir alive today, he would wish to paint you. Your coloring is exquisite. The black, black hair, the lavender eyes. You make love to me, monsieur. You choose a most unhappy time. Oh, but when a man is swept off his feet, love does not wait on birth or death. I had heard how impetuous Americans were. I... No, no. What would my mother say? Oh, she's still in the wine cellar. You are wicked. Oh? Well, then, one kiss. Yes. You are no saint. Yet you are charming. Anna. Mm. Anna. Oh, Anna, I could compose a tone poem to that name. Please, Mother is coming back. Oh, Mother has no sense of timing. Oh, those steps are hard on old women. Mm. Oh, here, Anna. Pour the gentleman his wine. Taste it. And tell me if you have ever had a finer amoroso. Yes, drink, monsieur. Aren't you joining me? Not just now. Oh, but I insist your daughter at least take part in an old American custom. Huh? Uh, yes, it's called the loving cup. Now, when a man meets a girl as lovely as your daughter, he asks her, he asks her to drink first from his glass. Anna is too young to drink. Oh, but surely an exception can be made here. I accept your flattery, monsieur. However... It is not flattering. No, to look at you is to have some of the chill taken from the memory of your dead aunt. Now, Wait. Don't I hear a piano being played somewhere? Oh, no, young man. Imagination plays tricks, you know. My poor sister. Oh, yes, yes, of course. I must have imagined it. Come, Anna. You shall have the first sip from my glass. I cannot allow my daughter... I insist. It is difficult, young man, to know where flattery ends and rudeness begins with you. Surely you can't object to drinking your own wine, Anna. Or can you? Oh, of course not. No, no, certainly not. Well, then. Anna, no. That's a pretty phony accent you girls are wearing. All right, wise guy. Now, just stand quite uh, still. What a smart little revolver. It'll do the work, Professor. Yes, yes, I'm coming. Tie this fool up in the cellar. Oh, poor kid. You shouldn't have come here. Oh, Professor, sometimes you shake my faith in the human race. <laughs> You're listening to Christopher London, starring Glenn Ford. (laughs) 
You know, Professor, that gun pointing at me is superfluous. Ha-ha, <laughs> bless you, kid. I'll take no chances with you. Oh, where's your shame? I mean, taking my money and then telling those women about me. Well, it's difficult to have both a conscience and a bank book at the same time. Uh, what wouldn't you do for money? Offhand, I can't really imagine. <laughs> uh, tell me, how much did they pay you to double-cross me? 50,000 francs. Well, that's hardly worth the effort, the way francs are these days. Now, don't undermine my confidence in international finance, kid. You know, I pity you. Here you'll sit and starve while they go on trying to get her secret from her. What secret? I wish I knew. I asked Lottie, that's the girl who calls herself Anna. Lottie's from Newark, New Jersey. Worked in a burlesque for a while. Yeah, I'll bet she did. I asked her what secret would one docker have. She only snarled at me. It's amazing how beautiful women can snarl. Yeah. Louis Deshaies was poisoned at the bar by Lottie. Why? He was coming to visit Wandelka. He was sure he'd strike it rich. Now, what had Wandelka written him? I mean, why should she, of all people, be kept a prisoner? Why the fake funeral? Too bad you'll never know the answers. You think they're asleep by now? Oh, yes. I'll think of that wonderful woman, Professor. Haven't you any sentiment? Well, for $500 in American money, I could weep buckets. And at the same time, cut your cords. Two hundred. Five. Either my price or I sit here and I starve. Now, which is it going to be? Oh, well, naturally, I can't let you die. Oh, that's a deal. There's no use unless I get to that room upstairs. Oh, by the merest chance, I picked the old lady's pocket. What? Yes, I have the key. And for another fifty... No, 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 no. Oh, well, what can I do? My heart can't allow you to be eaten by rats. Oh. Wait, here. I'll cut you free. That's it. Well... You're a noble soul, Professor. Yes. Now, here's the key. Now, we go upstairs to find Wondelka. Oh, not me. No, I've had enough for one day. I'll go back and have sweet dreams in your hotel room. Now then, give me the money. Oh, I haven't it on me. How about tomorrow? Fortunately, in the past, your credit has been good. Well, Kit, we come to the parting of the ways. I back to town and you too. Yes, yes. Who knows where? Madam Mondelka. Who are you? I don't know you. Go away. I don't know you. Oh, please try to understand what I'm saying. It's very important. I've come to get you away from these women. I don't know you. Yes, yes, I know. I I, I, all right, I know. I know about that. Now, we're going to get you out of here. I'll take you to a hospital. I'll take care of you. You'll be well again. Will you stop playing and listen to me? My name is Christopher London. I'm a friend of Louis de Chais. Ah, good. I had to make sure. Thank heaven you have come. Uh, the fools. The arrogant fools. Who did they think they were browbeating some poor little old lady? How easy it was to pretend I was out of my mind. You say you know my friend Louis? Yes. He was all set to sail for France when he was murdered. Murdered? Oh, no. Poor, poor man. How horrible. Yes, well, I hated to tell you. But... Well, at my age, one's friends die one by one. Who killed him? That girl. It was that girl, wasn't it? Yes. 
Oh, poor Louis. He was always a boy at heart about a pretty face. Like I am about a handsome face. I must say, young man, I could not ask for a finer-looking rescuer than you. How romantic of you to bother about an old lady like me. Well, not really an old lady. Don't be too optimistic. We've got to get out of here. This is a dangerous gang. Yes, I see them all hanged yet. Or the guillotine. Her pretty head chopped off. Oh, my poor Louis. Tell me, why did they kill him? He was the only one to whom I confided my secret. Secret? Young man, I have three passions. Attractive men, the playing of the piano, and the roulette wheel. The first two, I mastered. But the third, now, at last, I have, after years, I have discovered the perfect mathematical system to break the bank at Monte Carlo. Oh? This gang found out about my system. Zutelor, they take over my chateau one day, pretend to be my relatives, get rid of my friends, get rid of my servants, and I am their captive. But I do not tell them this system. I destroy all papers, all calculations. Oh, but you must have one copy hidden. Ah, I have. Now, look, this is no time to play... This the... is it. This is the system. Well, what do you mean? Play the tune in the key of E, using E flat as the code for number one. That's the old musical code. Naturally. Played and varied five times. When it's decoded, the entire numerical system is spelled out. I've kept it in my mind all this time. Played it so I would not forget. Okay, wise guy, I told you to keep your hands off. Hello, Zeruccio. You're at the bottom of all this, huh? Oh, what are you going to do? Don't beat me again. Shut up, you idiotic fool. Stop playing and come across with that system. What system? I'm just an old lady who... Oh, my arm, oh, my arm. Smart work, one second. Uh, oh, no, you don't, Zeruccio. Out of my way, London. Not so fast. Get his gun. I have it. Shall I shoot them both? It would be a pleasure. You're not insane. No. And my fingers are exceptionally strong, thanks to Mozart. You silly girl. I'll stand guard, Monsieur London. You get the police. What about the other woman? Where is she? It does not matter. If she shows up, I'll take care of her. If she does not show up, the police, they will find her. You're everything that Louis said, madame. Brave, wise, and beautiful. I think soon I shall play a concert dedicated to you, monsieur. Oh, if I were 20 years younger. You are eternally young, madame. What? Hold up your hands. Oh, you caught them. (laughs) Yes, I'm afraid your heroics have come a little late, professor. Oh, Wondelka, give him your gun. He will stand guard until I come back with the police. You must be weary. Weary? Nonsense. After you are done with the police, come to the casino. I will be there playing my system. I'll treat you to champagne and introduce you to all the pretty girls. Oh, so that was it. A system to break the bank, eh? But uh, what is the system? You'd like to know, Professor? Oh, yes. Very much, huh? Very much, yes. Yeah, I see. Well, give him your system, Wondelka. Allegro con molto.
was Christopher London, starring Glenn Ford. Transcribed, produced, and directed by William N. Robeson. And created especially for radio by the world's most widely read mystery writer, Earl Stanley Gardner. Tonight's play was written by Bernard Schoenfeld with a musical score composed and conducted by Van Cleave. Included in Mr. Ford's company were Ben Wright, Eleanor Audley, Ramsey Hill, Jeanette Nolan, Ted DeCorsia, Georgia Ellis, and Rick Vallon. Throughout the week, NBC brings you the best adventure mystery dramas on the air. You'll hear action-packed, fast-moving plots to hold your interest right up to the smashing climax on such thrilling programs as Big Town, Mr. District Attorney, The Big Story, and Dragnet, every week on most of these NBC stations. On Dragnet, you'll hear the documented cases from the Los Angeles police files. The Big Story brings you true tales from the front pages of America's newspapers. Mr. District Attorney, the champion of the people, takes you through an exciting episode in the conviction of a criminal. Welcome back. Well, a pretty interesting adaptation. It's got some similarities, obviously, but they changed a lot from the location to the gender of the person who was being visited to what the code actually revealed, because the Man Called X episode was the Man Called X, and it was in the middle of World War II, there would be a war application. But here they've got some freedom with the narrative to make the MacGuffin something that was more appropriate. There were a few things that were a little off. I I thought that... Christopher's friend dying because someone played the whole look over there trick. I mean, that has to be the most embarrassing way to die. At least top ten. I mean, seriously, if I fell for that, I think I'd die of embarrassment. I also thought the gangster from the U.S. was a really unnecessary addition. It's just kind of complicated the plot, and he didn't actually get to do anything because he was unnecessary. It seemed almost like there was a thought that there needed to be this mob boss who was in back of this for some reason. I don't know why they thought he was necessary, but he wasn't. And he just chewed up airtime and was rather pointless. Uh, One thing I kind of questioned them not changing were the scenes where Christopher London was sweet-talking the young woman. Sure sounded a lot better coming out of the mouth of Herbert Marshall as opposed to Glenn Ford. I should also add that I don't know if the professor was actually a regular recurring character on Christopher London. The series recorded, I think, a little less than 20 episodes, and only three of those are in circulation, so he could have been showing up on a semi-regular basis, and we wouldn't really have an idea. But other than that, I thought it was a relatively smooth transition from a World War II-based script to a post-war script, and between the two actors. So I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, It was definitely a 
different comparison. And Christopher London, I should add, is a series that we did quite a while back. It was 2012. And you may have heard it if you listened to our Volume 1 feed at volume1.greatdetectives.net. It also has its own feed in a lot of podcast stores as kind of a legacy thing since the feed's been around for 11 years now. So if you want to hear more Glenn Ford as Christopher London, uh, you can uh, check that out wherever you download your podcast from. Well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Robert, Patreon supporter since March of 2019, currently supporting the podcast at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Robert. And that will actually do it for today. I do want to remind you, we have a public domain video theater episode released today. It's an episode of Dangerous Assignment. Check that out at videotheater.greatdetectives.net or also on our YouTube channel at youtube.greatdetectives.net. We'll be back tomorrow with our regular lineup, starting with the adventures of Sam Spade, where... See how it is. Who's Rosalia? You must have seen her at the museum. Crying? Yes, with reason. Next week, she and my Louis were to be married. Hmm. It's tough. You think this Dominic was in love with her, maybe? I think nothing, senor. Two men, friends, alone in a boat in a heavy fog. One of them dies. The other says it is an accident. It is not for us to think or make guesses. Say, what am I supposed to do? In the records of the police, senor, my Louis died in an accident. Mm-hmm. In the hearts of his friends, he was murdered. For my sake, for Dominic's, for the sake of us all, we must know the truth. For this, I prefer to employ one who is professional and impartial. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram, Instagram.com slash GreatDetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.